The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. I'm seeing Matt Sarah twice in the same day. We had our uh, Jim and Sam show uh, appearance this morning. Yeah, I should have did it like this, Jimmy. I thought, you know what it was? I think on your show, it's like, I'm like, when we have guys on here. I'm thinking it's going to be 15 minutes. So I'm like, ah, you know, I've been held up at the house. Let me do it from remotely. And then I forget that it's one of those where you just sit and you hang out. I'm like, all right, I kind of didn't think that through. But I had fun. I hope yeah. it was an okay, even though I couldn't see you. I had technical difficulties. Well, next time you'll come on like this, we'll do it again soon because everybody, the fans all love you and Sam loves you and I certainly love you. And um, do you know Joe Coy at all? No, I can't wait to meet him. He's a he's a really good comic and uh, he's a good guy too. I know him for many years, so I'm I'm happy. I never know if they've been on this show or just my radio show in the morning. So I think he's promoting a book. I, I'm, I've already promoted this on my other show. I don't remember. I have a shit memory. Wow, you got a memory like me, bro. I have a terrible memory. Yeah, I'm um, trying to. I my, I have a terrible memory. I'm trying to count on that terrible memory to help me forget about that Trilla show the other night. has style <laughs> how are Ollie? you what's, what's up legend Matt, I, how are you my brother I feel how are like you, I'm looking how you doing, buddy? better looking egyptian mirror look at you and look at me all bald heads you look so good though i like the that outfit looks comfortable yeah it's, uh, it's ramadan and i'm i'm traveling going to jacksonville today and i'm trying to be comfortable and uh it's, uh, it's the best way to fly. Now, where are you now? Are you going to Jacksonville from the airport or are you driving there from another state? I'm driving. I'm driving. Uh, I'm, I'm going to the airport today to fly to Jacksonville for Camaro's fight. Yes. How's he doing? We were going to have him today, but we schedules got crossed. How, how is he feeling? Man, uh, listen, Camaro is uh, he's in great shape. You know, uh, he's he was already in shape fighting with Gilbert. And, uh, you know, he's an active champion. He said he want to fight again. The UFC made it happen. And uh, here we go. We have. A huge fight uh, in front, 15,000 fans, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. What do you think, too? Matt and I noticed, too, like after his last, uh, the win, uh, he looks so dominant, and he, and he said, put some respect on my, like he seems a little bit frustrated. Um, do, you, do you think that people are kind of not giving him the credit that they should give him as, as such a dominant champion? I, I feel before the last fight, you know, people, 
in, when it comes to the ranking and all this kind of stuff, yeah, I don't think people is giving him enough credit. You know, if you look at the top five, he's the only guy in the top five is active. Kobe's not active. Masvidal didn't fight. Wonder Boy didn't fight. He's the only guy who said, you know what, I'm going to defend my title. And everybody, they just want to get win and sit on it and fight for the title, right? And I think he's a, he's, he's a, a great champion because great champion always defending his throne, right? And, uh, you know, and also a lot of this young athlete, you know, you only make money when you fight, right? If you're going to sit around, uh, you're not going to make money. And the, you can buy everything in life except one thing. You can't buy time. Yeah, it's very frustrating when you see somebody, you see people wasting time sometimes, and it's like you know that they don't understand. Like you're not going to get this like you're only this age once. So you might as well utilize it because, you know, I'm 53. I can't do shit I used to do when I was 26. So it's like, do it now while you can do it. I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, in life, you can buy everything. Like I said, you cannot buy time. Right. And, and these young guys, you know, you know, just they, the only way they make money to fight. Right. Uh, and, uh, and real fighters, real fighter like to fight the other guys who want to sit around and stuff like that. They just, there, you know, Maybe they want to be a champion, get some sponsorship and get some fame. But realistically, the only way to make a, a legacy by fighting uh, and to make a living by fighting. This is my opinion. Hey, Ali, let me ask you yes, something. Yes, sir. You know what you can't buy? You know what you shouldn't buy? One of those fucking Trilla fight cards. Did you see that shit show the other day? Did you see that fucking shit show, Jimmy? Did you see? I know you did. Ali, did you see that fucking shit show that was on the other night with Ben Askren the whole event. Did you watch that thing? I was watching the UFC. Listen, I, I, I don't really, you know, I don't really like this kind of stuff. People seem to like it and everybody have their own niche. But for me, I'm a martial artist, you know, I'm a hands of Gracie black belt Fuck like you, man. but not is your level, but, uh, You're there. but I, you know, but also I'm not a hater. If somebody making money, let them make money, you know, but for me, I'm not, you know, I didn't buy it because I feel like uh, I want to watch Kevin Gaston and Marvin uh, and uh, Robert Whittaker. That was a high-level mixed martial art. Uh, it was a beautiful fight. And, you know, of course, I see the highlights and stuff like that, like just being a fan, you know, but I didn't buy it. Ali, Ali, let me tell you something. At one point during this shit show, I was going, listen, I was watching the UFC, but I'm watching that other thing on my phone. Listen, at one point, they there's a fight going on. They take, there's no cameras on the fight anymore. It's off to the side because Pete Davidson showed up and he's taking a picture with, they show, they're taking selfies, him and Mario Lopez in it. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're, they're not showing the fight. They're showing, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah, that, 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 it's fucking crazy. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe And next thing you know, there's girls dancing with their asses out. And at one point I was going to listen to it. I go, all right, listen, my kids were there. I go, look, because I was going back and forth with this and that. I go, let's put this on for a second. You know, I go, let's put this back on. I go, uh, I go, look, there's some music. We got this, you know, I saw Ice Cube. And then there's this other girl on there. I go, oh, look, girls, you might know where my kids are there. I got three daughters. The first line of the song, ready? You could play with my pussy. Don't play with my emotions. I go, wow. <laughs> I go, kids, earmuffs. I got that shit off so fast. I go, this is the most, this show was so fucking bad that it was actually, like watching a fucking just some uh, just watching a fucking train wreck and and then just stay on the tra a train that like crashed and they kept going and I don't know what I was watching but it was something else. It, it, we spoiled, you know, like uh, you know, 
the UFC and Dana White, they put a such high standard and production values and how they run a show. We got used to that. But when it comes to like boxing shows back in the 80s and the 90s, that's how it used to be, you know. And uh, and I think, you know, I don't really like watching a show, but stuff like that should not happen because you have a lot of kids watching, a lot of teenagers watching. And this is now what kind of message we want to deliver. I hope they improve on their products uh, and, you know, they do a better show. But uh, it's Ramadan. I don't want to talk shit a lot, but I want to. But you don't I have nice. to. I'll do it for Ali. I'll do it for you, Ali. You got enough people that either love you or hate you. Okay. Oh, yeah, I love you. Sure, I sure. love you. I, I love don't care if anybody fucking hates me because I got you. I got Henzo and I got my Jimmy Bird. I don't need nobody else. For sure. The fuck do I need? For sure, man. Also, too, I meant to ask you, too, how is uh, Habib? There was rumors that Habib was debating after uh, Conor Poirier. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. D- did that fight make a decision for him? Or what was his process of coming, kind of deciding, like, no, I'm, I'm actually done? Was there a chance he was going to? Because everybody, of course, loves him and wants to watch him again. Listen, I, I think when, when he watched his fight with these two guys, you know, that, you know, they didn't show him anything special, you know. Habib right now, he, he have businesses, he have everything. And he felt like he did everything he, he, he need to do in the sport, right? When he said he's done, I support him 100%. One of the things I never do, I never told the guy, hey, fight again. You know, but when, he, when he's talking about retirement, you should retire. Like, like uh, you should retire. You know, I don't think anybody, because he's the only guy going to step in the cage and fight. But who I am to tell him to fight, right? <clears throat> and I think he smashed everybody in a light, in a, he smashed everybody in lightweight division. The same thing Kamaru Osman do. Kamaru Osman is smashing everybody in the, in the welterweight division. And right now, my opinion, Kamaru Osman is the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world, right? Um, GSP is amazing. I love him. He's my friend, right? But when you compare two guys' career, Kamaru Osman is so much more dominant than George. Kamaru and his whole career in the UFC lost three rounds, right? George have two losses. And I'm not talking bad about George or anything, right? But I'm talking about 17 fight winning streak, the longest welterweight win in UFC history, and 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 he's gonna break the record this weekend, right? You know, he's fighting a guy who's who's a good fighter, but I all the time say it's big difference between good fighter and great fighter. Kamaru Usman is a great fighter. Jorge Masvidal is a good fighter, right? Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov is a good fighter. The rest of the division, they're good fighters, right? And I'm talking about Kamaru. My opinion, he's the most dominant welterweight in history. Now, uh, oh, oh, you're saying welterweight? Okay, yeah, I, I, I thought you were talking about that. Now, um, with, now obviously, Chandler is fighting uh, Oliveira. There would be no shot at, at him possibly uh, wanting the winner of that fight to kind of come back and reclaim the belt. And again, I'm thinking just selfishly as a fan to well, want to see. Leave Habib alone, Jimmy. Well, it's just look. It, it's a it's a sign that people will miss you when they want to come back and see you. Dana White is the greatest promoter of, 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 in any combat sport, and he's a very smart man. And if I'm the promoter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a guy like Mike Chandler, who made a great debut, to fight him Alabama. These two guys never lost to Khabib, right? If you put Geishi in there, he lost to Khabib, right? And right. that's how the, the, how the promoter thinks. Now, you need to give the fan time to forget about Khabib, right? right? And you put two guys uh, who never fought Khabib, and the fan always going to be, wow. These guys for real, right? People Justin and Justin win, and he will win. I think Justin win. Gage is the best lightweight in the world today. This is what I think, right? And if you put Justin and win, now, wow, this is the guy who lost to Khabib, right? This is the guy who lost to Khabib. Uh, and, uh, this is the guy who lost to Khabib. And now, you know, 
the UFC just did a, a, a good promotion move. They have these two guys fight, but Mike Chandler, remember, he just got knocked out by 145 guy in a different promotion, right? By Pitbull, right? And I, I think he's good, but I, I think he's not on this level, these guys in the UFC. This is my opinion, you know? I think the UFC is just, some of the guys there just on a completely different level. And I think Gaethje, Poirier, these type of guys on a completely different level than I think Oliveira, it's a very, very great, good fighter. And I think Oliveira, my opinion, he's going to finish. Ali, your thoughts on uh, Poirier, the trilogy match versus Conor McGregor? Uh, listen, I, I think, I, I think um, Conor is, is a front runner. That's what I always think. It's not, you know, that's the truth. Like, if he doesn't get you there out of the first round, uh, you know, he start panicking. And, and, and this is what I think, you know. And I think it's going to be the same thing. If he cannot get Dustin Poirier out of the first round, Dustin is a dog. He's going to come forward. He's going to put a lot of pressure. He's going to try to take him down. Remember, everything went south to Connor when Dustin take him down once, right? And he started having an automatic nightmare. He's like, oh, my God. I think Khabib get him a, a disorder. Every time he's going to take down, he's going to get panicked and get tired. And I think maybe he has a disorder. Maybe he needs to see a doctor. Uh, maybe to get a little bit of help. Because I think every time his butt touches the mat, it's a nightmare again. Like, it's, it's, it's a nightmare again, right? And I think uh, Connor, you know, he used to be a good fighter, but I think a lot of, he lost a lot of time. Every time you lose, shift a piece of your heart. And I think his heart will become a little bit small. And he, it's funny, it's a good point because Connor had said something about too much time off is not good. You got to get your licks in. Like after that last fight, he's like just too much time of inactivity. So maybe, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with this fight. But yeah, I mean, I don't see it. Real champion don't need excuses. Real champion doesn't need excuses. This man all the time, he want to find an excuse. If he lose, he lose. He move on. He get better. That's it. You know? But like Habib said, he can be training with 15, 16 years old kids and beating them up. And he think you're the man, right? Like, you know, uh, like Henzo Gracie, old school, Matt Sarah, Ricardo Almeida, all these guys. You go to the gym, there's a lot of sharks in the room. They try to smash each other. And guess what? When they fight, they're ready. Uh, listen, if you become a world champion, you can be the captain running the ship. He's the boss. He's the coach. He's the he's the manager. He's everything. Connor's the boss, and and uh, and he does what he wanted to do. And guess what? There's so many other great topics to talk about better than this guy. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. Honestly, it's 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 an interesting fight, but I would rather see what is what is uh, Justin Gaethje. What does he have something lined up, or what is Gaethje doing? You know, originally Justin, it was a talk for him to fight Mike Chandler, right? The UFC made a move. They they put Olivero Chandler. It it is what it is, you know? but realistically. Is nobody out there make a lot of sense for Justin, right? Uh, it, it's just, and I'm going to have to see what's going to happen. You know, me and the matchmaker, Sean, always talk and try to figure things out. And, you know, we always handle business. You know, I always handle business behind closed door and we'll get it done. It's, 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 uh, it's just timing. I think 50% of success of a fighter in the UFC, of course, being in a gym, but timing. A lot of time guys squeeze in and become a champion, right? Like Justin Gaethje was Tony Ferguson. He squeezed in, boom, beat him, become the interweight champion, right? And I think the time, timing is everything. And you just have to be smart mo- to make smart move when you're on this level. Is Zabit still, you're Zabit's manager? Yes? Yes. Uh, how, yes. Where's, I, where's he been? Listen, Zabit, he's supposed to fight this one guy four times. Zabit show up and this guy never show up. Uh, 
for A. Rodriguez, right? Yeah. And now it's, it's a little bit discouraging, you know. Uh, I think Zabit, I think he deserves a title shot. He's on a six-fight winning streak, long winning streak in the division. And he's just tired of this guy. And we, after Ramadan, we're going to figure out what we're going to do with him. Uh, and it's going to be completely up to him now, what he wanted to do, right? You know, this is something what, you know, and it's going to be up to the UFC too. We're going to all talk and we're going to figure some out. And, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Justin. And Gastelum is like this too, that he fights so well, even in a loss, he's still somebody that people want to see fight. Like even if Calvin loses a fight, it's an exciting fight. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, he's in it until the last minute of the fight. So even though he's lost a few fights, Calvin is still a guy that people would line up to see fight tomorrow. Yeah. Calvin's great, man. You know, he took the fight on four weeks notice. He stepped in against a guy who's an absolute stud. Robert work is an absolute monster, you know, and he lost fair and square. I don't think he lose any stocks, you know, and just, we're going to go in there and, uh, you know, like I'm being honest with you, at one point, Kevin Gaston's career, he's not wasn't a professional. He wasn't. Now he's professional. He's doing everything right. Uh, he trained with Rafael Cabrera, who's a great coach, I believe. Um, and uh, and I think he's he's become a man now. He's not this little boy anymore. And I think losing to Robert Whitaker, it's it's no no shame, no shame at all. You know, and uh, you're gonna see the best of Kevin Gaston coming. And you got Batori coming. You got Branson coming. And all my guys and they doing really well, and and let's see what happens. And then now Ramadan is happening now. Is it is Ramadan now? Yeah, today is the seven seventh day of Ramadan. No water or food. Sun up, sun down. Three more weeks to go, and uh, it's it's a it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Well, oh, you I didn't see. I don't know anything about you. Can't drink any water or anything during the day. No water, no food. But then when when the when it goes night when it's nightfall, you could. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, on a single now. So is it is it like one of the are there are there any ways like is there a thing like right before you, you drink water? Like how do you how do you time it out where you can actually go the whole day? Do you kind of like kind of like right before you'll have some and then I, that would drive me crazy. It depends. Sometimes I wake up like middle of the night to drink something or eat something, and sometimes I don't wake up. I prefer to have my sleep. But you know, it's 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 a good month to really make you feel how the the, the people who have needs, they don't have food, they don't have water. And I make you really appreciate life more. And I think it's healthy for you. It's almost like cl- cleaning your body, you know, yeah. like cleaning your soul too. You know, I'm, I, and I need it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like cussing and screaming and yelling at people. And this month I, I want to behave and it's good for me. Oh, so it kind of calms you. It's like your calm month for the year. I wish every month to become this way for me, to be honest. It's much better. You know, it's my, sometimes you get caught up in all this. I'm very emotional, personal, passionate person about, the people I work with about the sport, I really love, I truly love MMA so much. And sometimes just, I just too emotional, but it's, you know, I'm still emotional, but in Ramadan, I tone it down a little bit. You, you know? tone it down. <laughs> but I'm just, I want to let you know though, like every, before I go there, when I, when I, when I went to Henry Gracie, uh, in 2006, Matt used to come there sometimes. Yeah, every sure. time I saw him there, I, uh, I, I always want to say hello, but I was shy. Now, because he's such a legend, and now I'm finally talking to a legend like him on a on a, on a broadcast, and this is one of the highlights of my career. Thank you for having me, Matt and uh, Jim, and I really appreciate you guys. It's good Thank talking you. to you again, Ali. Have a safe flight down, and uh, good luck to Kamaru, and uh, we'll talk to you again and, uh, after Ramadan, I'm sure. All right, Ali. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. You guys okay. have a good one. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks, Ali.
Today's episode is brought to you by Devour, the official frozen meal of the UFC. They put big flavor first with premium meats, creamy sauces, and gooey cheeses. How good does this sound, Matt? Check out their buffalo chicken mac and cheese the next time you're in the freezer aisle. It's smothered in a spicy buffalo cheddar cheese sauce that'll knock your socks off. Or how about their loaded potatoes with Angus beef and bacon? God, that sounds good. It's You guessed it, loaded with crispy bacon and delicious hunks of Angus beef. This sounds so good. Whatever you choose, Devour Meals is the new favorite frozen meal. I love Devour, Jimmy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get nuts with the meals, Jimmy. Devour Meals, the official frozen meal of the UFC. Support for UFC Unfiltered comes from the official hair restoration partner of UFC, Hair Club. UFC fans notoriously take pride in the way they look. But if you're not dedicated to your hair health, you're not giving 100%. No matter what stage of hair loss you're experiencing, Hair Club is here to help personalize a solution for you. Hair Club offers hundreds of combinations of solutions to regrow, replace, or restore your hair. Costs shouldn't get in the way of confidence. That's why Hair Club offers hundreds of combinations of products and services for different hair care needs and budgets. Their team of hair health and hair loss experts can get your hair in shape, invest in yourself, and find out which hair club solution will work for you. Schedule a free, no obligation hair health checkup and receive 10% off select solutions by visiting hairclub.com slash UFC or texting knockout to 694-247. Text knockout to 694247 or go to hairclub.com slash UFC to schedule a free, no obligation hair health checkup and receive 10% off select solutions. Hair Club, love your hair, live your life. Hi, buddy. Oh, what's up, man? How nice are you? Nice to meet you. How are you? Nice to meet you, Joe. Oh, how are you, champ? Nice to meet you. You so you watch the fights a lot or no? Oh uh, yeah, man, I watched it. Did you watch? Uh, did you see that debauchery last night? Uh, are you talking about the Luke? Uh, wait, not Luke. Uh, Jake Paul. Yeah, it was. Uh, man, <laughs> that was some production. I, that show, though. I like the way they put that thing on. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was. Uh, it was all over the place. My, I think the highlight for me was Oscar De La Hoya. I don't know if he was uh, contact high. Or just clinically insane. It was it was it was crazy. <laughs> Do you know what I noticed too? And Matt said the same thing about that. Like I, I, the idea of a novelty fight is cool, but the production around it was so weird. It's like you don't have to make the production kind of shitty to make it feel new and different. That was what I, I, the fight itself was fine. I kind of felt bad for Ben Askren. Like oh, that was a humiliating loss. Yeah, that was pretty bad, man. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm friends with, uh, you know, those guys too. So I feel bad when I say it, but I don't know. It, it's, it's, there's something wrong with, uh, the way they're building this out. There, there's potential, you know what I mean? But yeah. I, there's something wrong with what they're doing and, and they're, they're killing themselves. That Jimmy, I, and I said this to you earlier, Jimmy, at one point he took the camera off the fight to show Pete Davidson taking a cell with uh, Mario Lopez. Yeah, I'm like, I, what am I, I go, what, what is going on? I go, what am I crazy? Uh, I mean, imagine that's not happening. I mean, imagine that in a UFC. They yeah. do that. Somebody, Danny's taking a selfie with somebody. What am I looking at? I couldn't, I, it was such a train wreck. I could not believe it. It was yeah. so bad that it was good. It was one of those things. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then the whole thing with Frank Mir too. I felt so bad for Frank. He's got his daughter in the corner and then they got Oscar just, just, you know, 
uh, the way he was talking and just yelling. And it was just like so unprofessional. Wait, what was Oscar saying? I'm, I'm sorry. I, yelled. I, I, I didn't have volume on, so I couldn't hear it. Cause I was watching two things at once. And I had no volume. It was De La Hoya yelling at, at I thought Frank, I mean, he lost the fight, but I felt like, he, you know, he didn't look bad. I mean, he looked like an older fighter, but I was happy that he at least went the, the distance was De La Hoya yelling at him. Yeah. He was yelling at, uh, Frank, and then he was court. He was yelling at uh, I think his name's Cunningham. Yeah, and he just yes. calling him. He kept calling him USSR, USSR baby, USSR baby. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah, what was he? What was he yelling at Cunningham? Was he yelling like that they weren't fighting well? I, I don't understand what the fuck he was doing. I think Cunningham uh, used to box for the Navy or something like that, and he has like USS as his uh, as uh, his. Uh, his name, right? His nickname, but he kept calling him USSR. Oh, what an ass. No, no, no. He's an embarrassment, man. Somebody, yeah. if, any, if he has any close friends, relatives, some uncle somewhere, somebody should get him by the ear and go, dude, what are you out of your mind? Yeah. Act like this on cat. I mean, it, I mean, he, cause he was such a great fighter at one point, Yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know what he's consuming, but oh, far. Yeah, that was man. embarrassing. So cringy. Frank Mir should hold his head up high, man. That's not his. Uh, yeah, it's not his forte. You know, he's a mixed martial artist. Held his own. Yeah, he's not a boxer, man. He went in there and he held his own, man. He's, he's like his daughter in the corner, his family. You know, it's nice. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. So yeah, do you did you watch the Whitaker fight? The Whitaker fight. Gastelum is literally he's lost five out of six, I think, or four out of five. But what a tough fucking guy. Calvin Gastelum yeah. is. I mean, even though he loses fights, he loses fights in a way where you're like, yeah, I'd still love to watch. It's like Mike Perry. I still want to watch that guy fight no matter yeah. how many he wins or loses. Yeah, exactly. He's one of those guys that are marquee fighters. It's like, of course you put him on the card. It's like he's going to give you a good fight. He's like Gotti. Yeah, man. He's right. just amazing. Durable, but, uh, he's in the fight, but he was a few steps behind the whole time. Yeah. Robert was just ahead and fought smarter, more accurate with the strikes. Set up beautiful takedowns. What about him waiting for that left hook or just timing that left hook and getting the double underhooks with a basic trip? Ooh, I was really yeah. I remember rewinding that a few times. Yeah. How how would you fight him though, Matt? Like how would you fight Whitaker? Oh, I wouldn't. I'm retired. No, I know, but how <laughs> oh, would you? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm how would joking. you fight someone like that? Because the guy is he, up top, he's amazing. On the ground, he's amazing. Like, what, yeah. what could you do to this guy? Well, I mean, listen, styles do make fights that he yep. has been before at 170 by Wonder Boy, who's mm-hmm. a crafty, obviously, he was just in a kind of a league of his own as far as striking. He's so unique. Even with there's other karate fighters, but Wonder Boy is Wonder Boy, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and also, obviously, by the champ, uh, Israel Adesanya. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, Izzy's still like what Robert's really good at, Izzy's. But I mean, as far as far as on the feet goes, Robert's really well-rounded. I mean, he really is. But on the feet, I you know, I still feel that uh, you know, Izzy's Izzy's just got that that advantage. He's still mm. gonna have him outgunned. So yeah. Robert's gonna have to mix up those takedowns more and whatnot in the future, you know. Yeah, yeah, because Israel, like against uh, I mean again, Jan Blahovich is bigger, but if you saw the fight with Blahovich or even the fight, the last two fights Kevin Holland has had at middleweight against uh, uh Brunson. And uh, Marvin Vittori, like, uh, they're both devastating on their feet, but it, on the ground, it's a little bit of a, a struggle. But I give more of a break to Adesanya just because um, uh, Blahovich is much heavier than he's used to fighting by, by I guess, yeah. 20 pounds, a much bigger guy. But, yeah, you don't want people to kind of get a playbook on how to, to beat you. So Kevin Holland's going to have to do some work 
on the ground before he fights again, or fight just a pure striker. Mm. Like Kevin Holland. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, what about Vittori versus, uh, what about Marvin Vittori versus um, uh, Whitaker? Yeah, man, to see who gets the shot at, uh, you know, two guys that, that lost to the chin. Yep. You know, but, but, you know, I'll tell you right now, that Italian dream is the Italian Terminator. That dude's not taking, and he even looks like a psychopath at the weigh-in. He's making the faces. <laughs> Darren Till's calling him an orc. <laughs> even on the show, he's nice to us, but I'm, I'm always waiting for him to snap. Like, he smiles. He's a fun guy, but I'm like, he's going to hate me in a minute. Yeah, Marvin's a scary dude, man. There's certain guys that when you talk to, like, you know that they're, you can never fuck around with them the wrong way or immediately you're, you're going to have a problem. Um, have, Joe, have you ever been to a fight? Because uh, it's the atmosphere in these places, it, it's incredible to go to these things live. I used to go so many times uh, back when it first, you know, back in the day, day I, I, I saw Matt Hughes fight Hoist Gracie. I saw Carlos Newton uh, lose to Matt Hughes. Uh, I saw, yeah, I'd met Sakuraba at the fight. That, that was one of my biggest highlights was meet Sakuraba. I was like, amazing. Yeah, old school, old school UFC with my dad back in the day at the MGM, man. Those were those were great fights, man. Did either one of you guys train? Was your dad, uh, was he trainer or he just, did he train or he just like to watch? No, we just love the fights, man. We were so happy when UFC signed with Vegas because uh, that was the big thing. You remember like uh, getting into Vegas because uh, I, I was put no- on that first card. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It a long yeah. UFC yeah. Uh, 33. And yep. uh, it actually went long where it got cut off. Tito Ortiz's fight, like, I think it went, you know what's so funny about that for that card? It was right after 9-11 and right after 9-11, like a few weeks after, so it was a ghost town in Vegas and the prelims were on fire. All finishes, The on the main card, every fight went to the distance, including mine. So Dana was pissed, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact about getting to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. man. That was, that was the changing uh, of the guard. That's when boxing was done. It was yep. done. Once UFC went to Vegas, it was over, man. Over. Manny Pacquiao was the only thing saving boxing at that time. He really was. Do you watch boxing? I, I can't watch boxing anymore. I used to kind of like it, but after watching UFC and getting the fights that I always want to see, like at boxing, it's like I, I'm going to have to wait five years for this fight. So I, it just frustrates me. Yeah, it frustrates me too. It's not exciting anymore. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of talk. It's a lot of bitch. A lot of bitch. You know what I mean? That, you know, that UFC, it gets right to the point. Let's go. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's the action that you want. Boxing is just like, come on, man. There's so much politics. And I think what it is is it's the weight divisions, too. I think there's too many damn bo- uh, belts. And there's too many promoters. So it's like no one, no one can actually sign to a real fight. So it's just like, you know, you're not getting the fights that you really want. Yeah, that's what kind of turned me against it. Um, are you, now, are you promoting your? I think the last time I talked to you, I know you got. Let me get the name of the special. I'm a really bad. I'm bad at plugs. That's why I'm a shit host. Um, but the uh, the Netflix special is hilarious. Coming in hot. Oh, thank and, you. And um, mixed plate, right? Chronicles of an All American Combo is your book. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's been a few, probably about a month or so since I talked to you. Have you done any? Been able to do book signings or any of that stuff? Or because of COVID, you can't. Nah, COVID has been a, a a pain in the ass, man. Plus, I'm I'm in quarantine right now. I'm in Vancouver, like literally in like luxury prison right now. Oh, show us the cover again, please. Show me the cover of your book. I didn't. You did it really fast. I want the world to see this. Now, what? T- tell us about the book. What is this book about? Uh, you know, it's it's my whole life, man. Uh, everything that I had to go through to to basically make it. Uh, you know, and I, I wanted to go deep. I wanted to talk about my family problems. I wanted to talk about divorce. I wanted to talk about you know, 
you know, my, my mom and dad, you know, splitting and then also dealing with that type of racism in the family. My mom being Asian, my dad being white, the separation in the family. I never met my dad's side of the family. And, you know, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about my brother. That was the most important part because, you know, for years, I never talked about my brother. I never even told people I had a brother because I was so embarrassed to tell people that my brother has schizophrenia. So I, I usually just kept it to myself. And, and now I, I let it out and it, and it feels good to finally talk about my brother. Wow. Well, first of all, welcome to the fucking club. Everybody's family has some mental illness in it. Yeah, right? man. I mean, sure. I think everybody does. I mean, they have to. If not, your immediate, maybe an uncle or nephew. Jimmy, don't look at me like I'm the one who's. No, because I'm thinking that the, I, there is mental illness in my family and I cannot put the fucking finger on anybody but myself. Like I'm the problem. <laughs> like in the family, yeah. I am definitely the one that has it. You know what's saying? I think I'm the same one. That's what's really sad. But anyway, uh, it's just, I think that affects a lot of families. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's great that you're talking about it. Yeah, it sucks because, you know, back in the day, it was, it was kind of like a thing that you just don't tell anybody. That's something that stays in the family and you keep it here. And, and nowadays, it's, uh, you don't want to ignore something like that. Everyone struggles with it. Just because your family member has mental issues, you struggle with that too as well because you're hiding it all the time. You're embarrassed about it. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. Like everyone deals with mental health issues and, and we all need to recognize it and get help. It's so hard to navigate because like people get like, you get so angry sometimes at somebody who's because you can't see it. Like, it's just, it's you're like, why don't you just do this? And, and, but they don't. And I had a guy, I knew a guy, he was a big mental health speaker. He would go around talk. He was really like a bit of an expert, I guess. Um, but he said something interesting. He said, uh, mental illness is a physical illness. And it made a point like, because oh, it's all chemicals when chemicals are physical. And it was like, yeah, it is a physical thing, even though we, it's not this thing in the atmosphere. A mental illness is a physical thing. I mean, it, it, it's oh. not made up of magic. It's made up of physical shit. And that kind of helped me think about it a little bit differently. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's it, now that I finally got to get it out in the open and a lot of people have been coming forward and appreciating that story and also relating to it. Uh, it just feels good. I've been talking to my brother a couple uh, times since I left the book out. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a better understanding between our relationship now. And he likes it. He's happy you're talking about it. He's cool with it. Well, my brother, you know, unfortunately he has a severe case. So, it, you know, a window with my brother is it's open oh. about that much, Jim. It's, yeah. it's, it opens for about half a second and you know, you got Robert, you know what I mean? And, and you get to have fun for about, about 30 seconds and then boom, it's gone. And I got to learn how to, res, you know, respect that and, and understand that, you know, uh, that's his mental health issue that I have to like, you know, overcome. I have to like help him with that. So it, it's hard. You wonder, does the person know it at all? Like there's a, a weird moment, like in the exorcist, right? Where she's possessed. And then there's a moment where she know, like, she's like, you see the real person come through and they like, they know they're, so you wonder, does somebody with mental illness like that, when they poke their head out or when you see the real person, do they know that they're kind of going back behind a curtain or do they not see it happening? Because sad man. if they know it. Ah, oh, that's such a great question. And I don't think they do, man. I really don't. You know, I was watching Glass, uh, Jim. You ever watch Glass, that movie Glass? No, it, the M. Night movie, right? I've heard of it. I've yeah. not seen it. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, and you know what I loved about that movie is when I was watching it, I go, holy shit, that's my brother right there. That's my brother. Like, to me, he's a superhero. Like my brother, you know, when I was a kid fighting seven cops, you know what I mean? Getting beaten in the back of the head. And he's looking at me like, oh, they're not taking me. Fuck that, Joe. They're not fucking taking me. They're choking him out. They're arresting him. He's, you know, he's kidnapping people just to go to the hospital. And 
you know, when you see that as a kid, you think of him as like some type of superhero, you know what I mean? But he's just dealing with a mental health problem. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the realization of what he's got. It's just, it's, it's so extreme and, and it's, it's so hard to like, it's a hard pill to swallow, man, to see your family member go down like that. And it's a very rough situation. Every, I'm, this, every circumstance I'm sure is different, but so it takes a while sometimes for them to find the right medication and to get yeah. it leveled out. So I know on, from what I've witnessed in my family where it's like, yo, am I ever, are we ever going to get a version back of our, of our, of, of my brother or somebody or, and then it's like, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes, sometimes you don't. Yeah. I have several in my family, but, but, you know, but sometimes they do come back, they get it leveled out. Like, you know, yeah. and it's all right. They found the right, I guess, uh, they get, they found the right dose or whatever it is or yeah. the right uh, medicine to put them on. And all right, now this is this is the guy I can laugh with or whatever. I I've yeah. seen it like both sides of that. Yeah, and get it right and then not get it at all. No, you got that, but uh, unfortunately, my brother is just uh, one of those extreme cases where it's yeah. it's it's beyond medicine. It's a uh, it's a lot of hospital. It's a lot of yeah. He he can't function outside of the the hospital, and it, it sucks, man. But you know what? He's he's funny as shit, dude. He's, he's definitely the funniest one in the family. And I love it. You know, when I get that, my brother for like this much, he's always cracking a quick joke and it's funny. We laugh. And then, you know, I got to just enjoy that moment while I have it. Isn't it funny too? Like people, there's something about like mental illness, it lowers inhibitions too. So you'll say anything. And that's kind of what makes people funny. Sometimes they say shit without yeah. a filter and, and, you know, uh, a lot of really funny people are kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like we'll have something. Yeah. Do you, like, do you know, Joe, any healthy comics? Totally. I don't know any, like they're either OCD or they're alcoholics or they're sex addicts or they're drug addicts. There's something crazy with every fucking person yeah, I know who does comedy. So true. That is so true, man. I'm crazy. Like my anxiety level is through the roof, but yeah, I think there, I think, Every comic I know is dealing with some type of mental health issue, you yeah. know, but the cool thing about it now, Jim, is it's okay to talk about it. You know, it's not taboo anymore. Like when we were kids, you know, you never want to tell somebody you needed therapy or you didn't want to tell people that you're struggling with some type of mental problem. But now it's like, man, I got, I need therapy. If you're like, yeah, man, let me, uh, let me suggest you to this doctor real quick. Yeah. So that's a good thing, man. Yeah. There's no more taboo. Like I think it was after, World War II, like a lot of those guys that came back and had seen horrible shit. And they said the one thing that a lot of them regretted is they, they, they couldn't talk about it. Yep. Like, you know, how those guys, hey, my grandfather was over there. He didn't fucking say a word, but those guys were just, it was eating them and they had no one to go and talk to about it. So it, it really, it seems like it's this new age, that, but it's actually really healthy to kind of vomit it out like that and, and talk about it. Yeah, man. And that's in anything too, man. Just talk about it. I think that's what destroys relationships is people keep things in too much. It's like, if you just talk about it, let it out, all that anger and all that negative energy that you have is gone. There's nothing to get mad about anymore. Just let it out. You keep it in. It's going to kill you. Yeah. Joe, Joe, how long, I don't, I know people are going to read the book and find out everything in detail, but how long were you married for? Cause you said you got divorced. Oh man. I was only married for about a year, man. Oh, okay. Honeymoon's over. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but her and I are best friends, man. Oh, that's good. Best friends, man. Every vacation I go on, she comes with me and my son. Uh, oh. You know, it's, yeah, I, I, she, everywhere I move, I move her right next to me. She's got all the codes to my house. She's staying at my house right now, to be honest. She's watching my son. So it's, it's like not even a thing. I, it's, we, we have the best relationship. Now, Joe, are you in Vancouver right now working? 
Yeah. Oh, you do it because Vancouver is kind of open, so you can go up there and, and do gigs and whatever. Yeah, no, I'm doing my movie out here. I'm shooting oh. a movie. Okay, so you have to quarantine before you shoot. Yeah. Get awesome. ready to shoot at May 3rd. Yep. Unbelievable, That's great. man. Thank good for you, you, buddy. Good, good. Is it your life story? Uh, it's, it's called Easter Sunday. Bro, Steven Spielberg. It's with oh. Steven. You're doing a Spielberg movie? Yeah, he, he, uh, he saw Coming In Hot, my special, brought me in. And uh, he brought me in for a meeting and uh, asked me to pitch a movie. I pitched this one, and here we are about a year later shooting it. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, now yeah. when you walked in, how, when, you, when you're sitting with Steven Spielberg the first time, how, do you, how does it go, and what do you, how do you get over being frightened because of Steven Spielberg? Uh, the thing is, we had no idea that he was even interested. We just went in for a general Okay. And then we walked into Amblin and it was the president, you know, Holly and, and Jeb, they were in there. And, uh, and they told us that he was a huge fan and he wanted to make a movie with me. And that's, I've never even met him because of the pandemic. You still haven't met him? Not yet, man. He sent me an email. That was kind of cool, man. The best email ever, man. That's funny. Yeah. But he's, uh, he's, uh, he says he's going to try and make it out here for, uh, for this. If not, when we wrap, he's, uh, definitely going to meet up with me in LA. So did you try to play it cool when they're like Spielberg? I guess he's producing the film. He wants to do a movie. Did you go, well, yeah. Or did you just immediately go, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It was so funny because when we were in there, they kept saying, hey, Steven wants to make a movie with you. They said it like three times. And then the third time I was just like, are we talking about Steven from accounting or are we talking about the same Steven? (laughs) Like, who are we talking about right now? You can't just throw the name Steven. And uh, and they said, no, it's Steven. Spielberg wants to to do a, a movie with you. And I can't believe it. it's so surreal, man. Well, wow. you don't want to assume it's Spielberg if it's not, because that would suck. Like, if Steven wants to do a movie, and then you find out, like, no, 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 Steve Mickelson, he's a new guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. That's exactly what would happen to me. I'd get my hopes up, and it would be the wrong guy. And Bert, Bert uh, Kreischer is in Serbia now with Mark Hamill doing his, uh, his movie. It's kind of cool to see. Do you see That's the video so he put cool. with Mark Hamill hell, on that plane? Hell yeah, I saw that. That's so cool, man. Couldn't happen to a better guy, man. Star Wars, Mark Hamill? Yes. Yeah. With, with Bert Kreischer, he's doing a, a, a like Bert has this story, The Machine. I, I've seen the story and I don't remember it, uh, but it's a very famous, uh, you know, he's a great storyteller. I'm a terrible storyteller. Like, I admire you guys who can tell a good, long, Jim Brewer, you know Jim Brewer? He's a great storyteller. Love Jim Brewer. Yeah. Some guys can just tell a story. I stink at telling it. I'm good at jokes, but I'm very bad at like roping people in and keeping them. They, they, I see their eyes just do that. I lose them quickly. <laughs> He's doing a movie with Matt, Mark Hamill? He is, yeah. Yep. So now, do you sign books and then send them out as signed books? Like, Because you could do that at home, right? You could get some signed books. Yeah, I've signed about, I think we signed close to 3,000 so far. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then we're getting ready to do another signing. You, you've written this thing? I mean, did you have a, a writer with you? You work with somebody or you just? Yeah, uh, I, I had a ghost. I had a ghost writer. And it took me about two and a half years to write this. So now how does that work? Like you talk to this guy every day and like, not every day, whatever it is. I'm like, listen, man. And then he comes with you and, and shows you, ah, how does that work? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you do. You, you, you sit there and you, you know, you, you tell those stories in detail and, uh, and then you guys just go over what he's writing, you know, and, and, you know, you also want it to be in your words. So yeah. you, watch you watch him and uh yeah, he killed it. He killed this. And uh, it was two and a half years of my life with this guy, Chris. So 
He's amazing. You got to get the right. How did you choose him now? Because you have to get the right person, right? Yeah, there was a lot of interviews. And uh, this this guy was just he was amazing. I just knew he was the one. And Joe, if there's something like you want differently, because you're the like, you never know if it's a book company and they're giving you, OK, we'll give you the deal. But you had final say, right? And what went in? Like, if you're like oh, nah, I'd rather yeah. reverse that. You did. Yeah, they gave me everything. 100% was me. They, they let me do everything from pictures to the cover to everything. It, it's amazing. Harper Collins, by the way, the amazing book company. That's good because that now you'll always feel like you will never look at that and go, I, I don't like the way. Sometimes it helps to have somebody just help structure it. Like a ghostwriter is good to structure something and just kind of say, well, this maybe could follow this. And then you read it and go, yeah, that makes sense. Just to kind of help, you know, set things in a certain order that make reading sense. Yeah. You know, the toughest part, Jim and Matt, is uh, the audio. So whatever you guys decide to do a book, uh, don't sign up for the audio because that was the most uh, emotional thing I've ever done in my life. I, I, uh, I think I cried so much during that time. I've never cried so much in my life. Oh, wow. It was, it was rough. Is it on the audio or do you have to like do double takes or something? Or is it- it, Yeah, there were so many double takes. And it was just, you know, when you read those stories out loud, you know, and, and you listen to your own story, it, it's, it's emotional. Go, reflecting back on your mom and dad divorcing or your brother fighting with the cops and, you know, your sister leaving at 16, leaving the house. And, you know, you only, you can only, you can only cry. You know what I mean? It's, 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 uh, it's therapeutic. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's tough. That, now I see why people hire other people to read their books. Cause it's, it's hard. Yeah. Like I don't want to cry. I'll fucking I'll let Patrick Stewart do it or somebody or Donald Sutherland or one of those guys that have a great speaking yeah. voice. Yeah, exactly. Donald Sutherland would be great. Isn't it great? Every time I see a fucking plane commercial, it's Donald Sutherland. You know, Delta cares about it. I love when I hear those guys. 80 years old, still working. Don't you get encouraged by that dude, like a comedian who's, uh, you know, fucking 78 or 80, still doing like Joan. Wasn't Joan Rivers awesome before she, you know, still doing gigs at 80. And still crushing it. Don, Don Rickles was sitting on a, on a chair for, for two hours on stage. He didn't give a shit. He was like 80 something years old. It's like amazing. Yeah. We went to, it's funny. I was in Montreal and um, Rickles was doing something uh, a few years ago. He was but again, he was sitting on the stage, but it was in, in his dressing room. Uh, a bunch of comedians just went back like Gabriel Iglesias and a few other guys, but it was like, everybody just wanted to be around Rickles for a minute, like just to say hello or, to, you know, to pay tribute. Like, it's really weird when you're on that level. Everybody just kind of wants to come and just speak to you for a second and tell you how much they appreciate you. Yeah. I, and that's one thing I, I kick myself on. I never got to meet the guy, but God, he was my favorite. He was the king. Who did you meet? Who's one of your idols comedically that you did get to meet? I, I mean, I've, I've been pretty lucky. I've gotten to at least briefly interact, even if it's only for a second, with most of the guys I loved growing up. Um, I think, you know, one, Eddie Murphy. I got to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I think, you know, Dave is just on some other level right now, Jim. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and working with Dave was just, you know, amazing. Did you do his Yellow Spring show in Ohio? I did not. No, he's never asked me. So that's a real oh. s- fucking point of contention. with <laughs> No, but I would do it. Sure. Um, <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year. Dave will. Uh, I, Dave probably lost my number. I'm going to fucking reach out to <laughs> goddamn Chappelle. <laughs> Um, I think my favorite, you know, Dave is amazing, but, uh, one of my favorite, my favorite story is, uh, writing a joke with Richard Jenny at the laugh factory. That was one of the coolest moments in my, that was a highlight. Oh, and Robin Williams. I got to write a joke with Robin Williams in the green room. Isn't that a great feeling? Woo. 
Ooh, that was amazing, man. Amazing. Bob Saget uh, comes into the room and goes, hey, I'm going to bring up Robin Williams. And I was like, I go, Bob, man, like I was the host. I was the host of the show. I go, just let me bring up Robin, dude. Like, we don't know when Robin's coming back. He goes, no, we got this thing. Anyways, he brings up Robin. I'm depressed. Robin says goodnight. He walks off stage. I start walking back up stage. And I just looked at him. I hugged him. And I go, man, I wanted to bring you up. But Bob, uh, Bob wanted to bring you up. He goes, oh, okay. Well, go back on stage and bring you back on stage. I go, why? He goes, yeah, bring me back up. Then we'll, we'll have fun for like five minutes. And I brought him back on stage. It was the coolest moment ever, man. He let me bring him back up. And we riffed for about five minutes. And it was a uh, biggest highlight ever. That's all. How scary is that though? Cause he was to, to, to go back and forth when he's on stage would be very, I would be very nervous to do that. He's, he was a ferociously fast uh, thinker. He was, he was crazy fast. And that was uh, for the Oscars too. He was, he was warming up for the Oscars. So he's practicing a routine. So he was on fire that night. And, uh, and I was working at Nordstrom rack. I was shelving shoes the next day. So it was like, you know, my life couldn't have been any better. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You always hear how nice he was. You always hear how nice Robin was. Well, he was amazing, man. Yeah, it was almost like he was above everybody because he had won an Oscar and he was famous from the 70s. Like, even guys like Seinfeld who come in, who, again, is a a legend. But when Robin Williams came in, it was a different energy because Robin was famous from, like, 1979. Like, you know, he was kind of an icon through almost my entire life. So, yeah. He was a different you know, level of that's famous. So funny. That's so funny you said that, uh, Jim, because I always say that there's levels of famous. And because that night, uh, Chris Rock went up because Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars. So they both they both came in and worked out. And, uh, and it was so crazy because Chris went up first. And, you know, the place went nuts, right? The place went nuts when I said, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Rock, they all went nuts. And then he left. And then we introduced Robin. And it was... It was over with, man. So there's Chris Rock famous, and then there was Robin Williams famous. It was just, it was out the, it was all out, out the roof. Yeah, Robin was a different, he was, because again, he was a movie star too, who had won an Oscar. Like, just a different, you know, and was putting out records, like, you know, it just from that era, from that generation, Mork and Mindy, yeah. and he just had a long, long run, man. What a, yeah, man. What a Sad. great comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, Joe, because we're talking about all the hardships and in and, 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 and your book and how emotional it was and everything. You're a comedian. Where did the funny come from? Like, how did you find the funny? Or how did the funny find you? And how old were you when you realized there's a lot of shit going on? But, you know, I got this kind of outlet or whatever. I was I was a depressed kid, man. I didn't realize how depressed I was until I wrote this book. But I think a lot of the comedy came from me being depressed. It's, uh, you know, military life sucked. You know what I mean? Uh, Every four years we were moving. Uh, And then my mom and dad divorced. Then I'm a mixed kid. You know, now I'm being raised by this, you know, Asian woman and no dad in the house. And, you know, my mom dealing with racism. It sucked. You know, so there was a lot of. uh, There's this one story I write about the book and I can't remember. I I can't believe I remember it in detail, but we we won this prize at JCPenney. We went upstairs to go get it. And the family in front of us won another prize, too. But I guess they were mad at us because. We won the TV, whatever it is. And I remember my mom looked at the kid. He was waving at the kid like, hi, hi. And then the kid turned around and pulled his eyes back. Went, Whoa. And I just remember as a kid seeing my mom, how she reacted. And I was just like, what was that? Like, I didn't even know what that was. Like, what, what was that? And she's like, it's okay. He's just trying to be funny, Joseph. And like, to me, that that's the kind of shit my mom had to go through. Like, 
even though she was an American, she still felt like felt like she was an, a, a visitor. And, and for her to even say anything that that's wrong or say something out loud, she would feel at the wrong to do that. You know what I mean? It's okay for people to make fun of her. And, and that, that was the kind of shit that we, we used to go through. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to keep in and, you know, joke around and, and make fun of and, and, and just laugh. And I guess that's what I did. I, I went to comedy a lot. I stand up was my thing. I couldn't stop watching it. There's a lot of um, I'm watching this show. I can't stop talking about it. Jimmy knows what I'm talking about. It's called Warrior. It's on uh, it's on HBO Max. The, the 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 Chinese gangs and whatnot. They have some assassins that just start taking the people that are doing all the um, or who are just mistreating the Chinese there, and they're just fucking slicing their heads off, just cutting off limbs. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's it's more to it than that. But once yeah. you started talking about getting discriminated against, um, like that movie has a lot to do with that, like from back in obviously the Civil War era and shit. But it was fucking, I don't know, it just so fucking cool. It gets yeah. you like, fuck yeah, do that to those prejudiced sea suckers. <laughs> they cut their heads off. And yeah. Now, Joe, before we, we have our next guest is uh, has just arrived. Uh, but before we, we let you go, I want to promote your book properly and the tour. And this is the first time hearing about the movie. Um, so I'm happy for you, man. And you. Uh, your, your special is, uh, let me get this name of the special on Netflix, um, unless you want to just say it because I'm so bad at keeping my paperwork. Oh, it's called uh, Coming, oh, in it's hot. Coming in Hot. And the book is called Mixed Play Chronicles of an All-American Combo. And, of course, The Koi Pond is a podcast that's great, and I've done it. And I love you, Joe. I'm really, really happy for you to have this great period uh, happening for you. You're a great guy, and you're a great comic. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks, Matt. Nice to meet you, Joe. Come back again. Yeah, we'll please. talk to you anytime. I would have, love to have you on again. All right, you guys. Take All right, care, you, Joe. Good luck with the film. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So, Matt, um, it was good having a thank you to Joe Coy and thank you to uh, Ali Abdelaziz for coming on. And uh, we'll talk we'll, we'll talk more in detail. But I know we talked about um, Robert Whitaker's win. He did fantastic. I want a real, really quick uh, uh, Andre Olaski, man, too. The guy keeps on going. I was his 20th win. You know, uh, yep. Tracy Cortez looked awesome. Uh, I've been taking out Justine Kish. Uh, Louis Pena defeated Alex Munoz. Very close fight, but uh, yep. it was a good fight. And then Jacob Malkoon took out uh, Abdul Razak. And uh, wow, that was a good one. I mean, listen. Oh, and, and really quick, only because uh, Jessica Penny didn't fight for all the years. And she came back to take out 
uh, I think you guys, I don't, I thought I was, I thought her name was Loopy. They were calling her Loopy. Gandina, I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but it was Loopy on the show. It said Loopy on the screen. Fuck with me. Anyway, Jessica Price <laughs> and also to be really great. I just wanted to say uh, yeah. I want to get a congrats to Gerald Mershot because he came back after that getting defeated. Yeah, he know? did. And he came yeah. back in great fashion fighting a judo expert yep. in, uh, in Bartos and he, and he got a beautiful guillotine. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. That's all I wanted to say. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yes, we'll talk, we'll talk to you in two days and uh, thank you for uh, both of our uh, guests for coming on. And that's uh, always a delight, Matt. It's always a delight, Jimmy. I will see you in a couple of days, buddy. All right, pal. Talk to you soon. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.